kick into my message today. But uh, so if you need to be dismissed, you're free to go and uh, slip back there. And so I want to start off today uh, before I get into my message with some trivia today. How many of you like trivia? All right, so this is church trivia. All right, I'm, I'm calling it throwback trivia because uh, some of you, I'm going to see how many of y'all were raised in a church like I was. So, are y'all ready? All right, so this has, if you resonate with one of these, if one of these you're like, oh yeah, I know what you're talking about. I want you to raise your hand for me, okay? So, if you were raised in a church like mine, do you remember Salty the Songbook? Got some hands? A few hands on that one. I didn't expect to have too, too many. What about this one? Do you remember choir robes and big hair? <laughs> I don't know why, but all the choir robes were always like either blue or like this shade of green. I'm not quite sure why, but it seemed to. All right, here's another one. Now, I would expect and maybe not, but we'll see. How many of you have been to a Carmen concert? How many of you? It's a decent amount. If you don't know who Carmen was, now let me just date this. We're going back to the 80s and the 90s of church life, right? Just so you know, some of you are like, I wasn't born yet. I know. And I get it. I get it. And uh, now let me say this. You're like, well, who's Carmen? Anybody who has one name was a big deal, right? <laughs> if you could just be identified just like one name, Jordan, <laughs> Carmen, kind of the same thing. Carmen was the man back in the day. He scared the hell out of me. And um, he did. I remember as like a child, this is now, you can go look it up on YouTube. It's hilarious now, but it actually has it's a, mess, a song that he did called Witch's Invitation. I was like eight. They had demons on the video and I was just like, <gasps> you know, it's, yeah. Literally, some demons sucked a guy through the bed to hell. It scared the daylights out of me. And, uh, but anyhow, so here's my last one for you. How many of you remember singing Father Abraham? Should we sing it? No. <laughs> the hand motions, right arm, left arm, right foot, left foot. Something, something, turn around, sit down. Am I, something like that, Right. So have, we, have you ever wondered why we call him Father Abraham? I mean, you know, we, it's like, we hear it in church. We hear people talk about Father Abraham. We hear people talk about like, he's the father of the faith. And like, what does that mean? Like, are we having like a Star Wars moment? Like, I am your father. Like, I mean, is it some kind of weird something happening? You know, and so I want to, and I'm glad that somebody in this room asked me why we call him Father Abraham. Because if not, this would be really awkward for me at this point. Because I would have nothing else to tell you. But I'm glad somebody asked me this morning. So I'm going to talk to you and share with you about Father Abraham. Now we're in a series called There is Hope. I'm going to get to the hope part. Okay. But it's important because I don't want to just read you some scripture out of the New Testament without you actually understanding the story behind the scripture. And, and so this is important. And so we're going to start in Romans chapter 4. And you can just leave a mark in your Bible or in your however you want to do it. But we're going to come back here at the end. But I want to read you the beginning part of Romans chapter 4, verse 16 and 17. So he's talking, the writer of Romans is talking about salvation here. And so he picks up kind of mid-thought. So for the sake of my time, 
I'm jumping in mid-thought. You can go read the beginning of this chapter if you want. But he says, so the promise, which is salvation, is received by faith. So if, you're, if we're going to be saved, if we're going to be forgiven of our sins, we have to receive it by faith. He says, it is, a, a, it is given as a free gift. And it says, and we are all certain to receive it. If you want salvation, it is yours. We're all certain to receive it. Whether or not we live according to the law of Moses. Hey, I don't have to be perfect. I don't have to measure up to the Ten Commandments. I have to receive salvation by faith. He says, if we have faith like Abraham's, for Abraham is the father of all who believe. Abraham is why? Because he's the first one, the Bible says, that believed in God with faith in Scripture. That's why we call him the father of our faith. Says, it goes on here and it says, this is what the scriptures mean when God told Abraham, I have made you the father of many nations. It says, this happened because Abraham believed in God. And here's what I want you to catch. Part, it says, who brings the dead back to life and who creates new things out of nothing. How many of you realize that we still serve the same God of Abraham? Yes. Who what? Who brings back dead things and creates new things from nothing. And so there's a reason that this scripture is worded like this. And so I want to give you the backstory of Abraham. I mean, God identifies himself over and over and over in scripture that I am the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob. Abraham, Abraham. We hear about him throughout the Bible. Well, why is he such a big deal? Why did we sing songs about him in children's church? Right? I mean, like, why? And what was the story? And what was the, the, the thing? Because, and so you can flip, click, however you want to do it, over to Genesis chapter 12. And we're going to pick up this story here in verse 1 of Genesis 12. And it says that the Lord said to Abram, because his name was Abram before, so God changes his name at some point. We'll get there. But at first, his name was Abram. He tells me, he said, I want you to leave your native country, your relatives, your uh, father's family, and go to a land that I will show you. Now, that sounds great until the Lord tells you to do that. Because what, what God literally is telling him is, I want you to leave where you're at, and I will talk to you when you go. That's not a very comfortable spot. Like, why can't you just tell me now? I mean, like, let me just put it out. It would be like me telling you, go get in your car and start driving, and I'll talk to you once you're on the interstate. But I'm not talking to you until you're in the car. Well, God, you already know where you want me to go. Why can't you just tell me now? I don't understand. Why can't we just... Why? But that's not what God said. And Abraham had a family. He had herds. Like, it was a process. This wasn't like I'm moving to the block down the street this was pack up everything and start moving. Sometimes faith requires that we move before we know, right? So God says, I, depart for the land that I will show you. He says, I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and I will make you famous. And you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those that bless you. I will curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families of the earth will be blessed through you. That's a big deal. This is God, right? Talking to Abraham says, all 
the families of the earth will be blessed through you. So Abraham departed. So he got all the stuff and left. So Abraham departed as the Lord had instructed. And Lot, who was his nephew, who gets in some trouble later, goes with him. It says Abraham was 75 years old when he left Haran. Let me give you some good news. I don't care how old you are. God gave a new instruction to a 75-year-old man. You're like, well, I'm done. Abraham, 75. God says, hey, I got something new for you. Just got you to go. I need you to do, right? Now, the thing that I love and I am so thankful in the Bible is that the Bible shows us real people. Like not their, you know, like messy people, complicated people. You know what I'm saying? Kind of like us, right? How many complicated people I got in the room? I got a few honest people. Got a few honest people in here. Yes, we can be messy. We can be complicated. But here's the good news. God uses complicated people. Abraham was complicated and he's called the father of our faith. Like, you know, like if, if there was a hall of fame in the Bible, Abraham's there. He's got the little, the little head butts made. I mean, he's there. He is in the hall of faith in Hebrews 11. I mean, he, he, he's the man. And yet he has some not so great qualities all the time. I'll give you an example of this. Later on in this chapter, actually around verses 11, 12, 13, apparently his wife, which her name originally was, we call her Sarah, but her name was Sarai. She was very beautiful to the point that Abraham said, people are going to kill me on this journey when they see her. She is so beautiful. They're just gonna kill me. And he's like, just lie and tell them you're my sister. And so then men are like, man, she's good looking. Like, come on, girl, come to my house. And then God sends a plague. And then they find out that Abr- Abram lied. And they're like, why did you lie to me? Like, take your wife and run. Get away from me. Like, I want nothing to do with you. He did it more than once. Not only that, actually, his son did it as well. So the sins of the father were repeated in the next generation, which is why we've got to deal with the junk and the funk of our family so that we can, what, our kids can live better. You teach what you know. You reproduce who you are. Side note. So we're going to pick. Now we're going to run through several uh, passages here. That So I'm just going to give you some highlights here. But picking up in Genesis chapter 15, starting in verse 1. I'll read verse 1 and 2. And it says, sometime later. We don't really know how long this had been. But sometime later. So we know Abraham was 75. Sometime later, the Lord spoke to Abram in a vision and said to him, Do not be afraid, Abram, for I will protect you and your reward will be great. He says, Then Abram responded and says, O sovereign Lord, what good are all of your blessings when I don't have a son, since you've given me no children? However you say that guy's name of Damascus, a servant of the household, will inherit my wealth. It's like, I don't have a son. In verse 4, the Lord says to him, no, your servant will not be your heir. For you will have a son of your own who will be your heir. Then the Lord took Abram outside and said to him, look up to the sky and count the stars if you can. This is how many descendants you will have. And Abram believed the Lord. Abram believed the Lord. Well, how do you believe? Right? Yes, you have to have faith. But what do you have to have to get faith? You've got to have some hope. 
Well, how do you have hope? I have confidence in God, not in myself. And here it says, Abram believed the Lord and the Lord counted it unto him as righteousness because of his faith. Now, this is where the story gets a little messy. Just going a little disclaimer here. Chapter 16 of Genesis, we see the story where Sarai and Abram say, hey, the Lord's not moving quick enough, so we need to help the Lord. Like, Lord, we know what you said, but uh, we're just not sure how it's going to happen or if it's going to happen, so we're going to help you out. And so his wife says, hey, here's my servant. Sleep with her. Have a son. Abraham does. Abram does. She has a son. Well, it creates all this confusion and chaos in their family. and All this craziness is going on. You know, every time that we try to attempt to help God, we get in the way. How many of you realize that God does not need our help? God does not need our assistance to prop him up. He is well able. We just have to trust him. But yet we see here that Abram is, this is an attempt to try to bring about what God has done. And the truth is, is we do this all the time. We do, we try to make things happen like, if, you know, like God said, he'll bless me. I know I'm just going to work harder. I'm just going to do better. I'm just going to, and, and it's a thing that we do in the flesh to try to make it happen versus just trusting God that in his timing, it will be perfect. I mean, I can remember in my own life, look, I'm not from a pastor's home. I'm not like, I'm not a background of ministry, but I remember what it was like when I was, 18 and 19 and 20 years old and I'm in college going God I know that you've called me to pastor but I don't know anybody in the ministry I, I don't I don't I don't know how this works and and like do you just submit a resume and somebody just like just spit it out there and somebody call you like how does this work how am I ever going to do what God has called me to do when I don't know the first step and you may be there this morning where you're trying to figure something out that God has placed in your heart And you're like, God, there is no way for me to do this. You have to trust God in the process because God knows when we're ready and God is preparing us for what he has for us. But we have to trust him. We have to trust his timing and not try to help him out. It's very important. So that's chapter 16. Chapter 17, God changes their names. And there's an act of circumcision as well, which is a very uncomfortable chapter to read for most males because God tells Abraham I I need a sign of a covenant he says I'm going to I'm going to change your name because now you're going to be the father of many nations and we're going to change change your wife's names to Sarah And, and and really even this has significance for us because as I was just talking about we have to cut away our fleshly efforts to try to do what God has called us to do What God has for us. Because it's easy for us to fall back. And and God looks at Abraham and says, hey, we got to cut some flesh away. Because the sign of the covenant is that you trust me. How many of you know that the sign of us being believers today, right now, is that we trust God? Yeah, but it doesn't look like what I thought it would look like. It doesn't seem like it's playing out the way that I thought it would. I know, but the sign that we believe in God is that we trust him. Even when everything doesn't seem right. God, I trust you because you're faithful. I don't have to feel like it to walk it out. 
And so the story continues here in verse 17 of chapter 17. It says that Abram bowed down to the ground and he laughed in disbelief because God says, hey, I'm going to remind you, Abraham, remember the promise. Remember what I told you, Abraham. Well, he remembers. What did God say? You're going to have a son and he's going to be your own son. And all the families of the earth are going to be blessed. And it says here that he bows down and he laughed to himself in disbelief. God talks, Abraham laughs. It's not a good response. Just FYI. Probably don't want to laugh at God. But this is what he says. He says, how could I become a father at the age of a hundred? You just went 25 years with Abraham. And then he thought, how could, Sarah, how could Sarah have a baby? Old girl is 90 years old. <laughs> Lord, I know that I'm questionable, but... Uh... Oh, it gets better. Chapter 18, starting in verse 10. They have some visitors come. Abraham serving them, watching them, helping them. And they get to talking. And so one of them says to Abraham, he says, I will return next year about this time and your wife Sarah will have a son. So now somebody else is telling Abraham that. Sarah was listening to the conversation in the tent next door. Abraham Abraham and Sarah were both very old at this time. And Sarah was long past the age of having children. So she laughed silently to herself. I love the way the New Living Translation, because this is like so honest. That's why I love different translations, because different ones bring out different things. She says, how could a worn out woman like me enjoy such a pleasure? Especially when my master, my boy, my boo, he's old. <laughs> like, she didn't just say like, oh, you know, he, she just, he's just old. It's like, no way. And then the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh? He could have asked him, why did you laugh? Abraham, why did you laugh at the promise that I told you? Am I not the faithful one who declared it from the beginning? And I told you I would do it, so why would you think that I wouldn't? And so God asked Abraham this question. says, why did Sarah laugh? Why did she say, can an old woman like me have a baby? Then there's this most powerful, incredible statement from the Lord. Is there anything too hard for the Lord? Anything. I think everything falls up under anything. So I've got good news for you today. It doesn't matter what you're facing. It doesn't matter what your limitation may be. It doesn't matter why all of your reasons and all of your processes of your brain say, this is not going to happen. You have a promise in scripture from the Lord himself. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Is anything? Is there an impossibility with God? Now we fast forward a couple chapters. In Genesis 21 verses 1 and 2. We see that. So Isaac is born. twenty, well, Technically 26 years. Abraham would be 101 at this point. 101 years old. His son is born. And it says in verse 1. The Lord kept his word. And did for Sarah exactly what he had promised. She became pregnant and gave birth to a son for Abraham in his old age. And this happened at just the right time that God said that it would. One thing that I have learned with walking with the Lord for many years now is that his timing is different than mine. 
Like I, I was sharing with you a few minutes ago, when I was 17, 18, and 19, I knew God had called me to pastor. I thought I was ready to go. Like, God, just let me do it. I thought I was ready, and God said, no, you ain't. And all the people of the Lord say, hallelujah. Because guess what? I was not. Fast forward. Uh, let me think. Whatever it was. How old were we when we went to Arkansas? It was 2014. So I was 36, 35, whatever it was. I don't remember exactly. I think I just turned my, my birthday. It just changed. Is that right? No, I was 34. Max wasn't born yet. I was 35 when Max was born. So I was 34. So you got about 15 years. When the opportunity came for me to pastor, you want to know what my response was? I ain't ready. I'm not ready for this. My timing, God's timing look nothing the same. I said I was ready. He said, no, you're not. He said I was ready. I said, no, I'm not. No, sir. Wrong address. Send that mail somewhere else, please, because I'm not ready for this. And typically what I have found is when I say I'm not ready, God says I am. Why? Because it requires faith. It requires me to to step into these moments. Now, Romans chapter 4, I told you we'd come back to Romans 4. So we want to come back there because we're going to pick up the story about Abraham. Because it gives us a picture here of what all I just communicated to you. In Romans chapter 4. It says in verse 18, it says, even when there was no reason for hope, no reason, Abraham looks at Sarah and says, that ain't happening, God. Abraham looks at himself and was like, nope, (laughs) no way. But yet it says that Abraham, even though he was in disbelief, he didn't lose hope. It says, because we read, like the Bible says that he disbelieved and he laughed at God. Remember, he laughed at God when God said, you're going to have a son. And he says, yeah, right. Quit playing with me. You got jokes. I get it, but it's not funny anymore. I've been listening to you tell me that for 25 years, and I'm over it. You ever had a promise that you've been holding on to for years? And you're just kind of weary in the waiting, and and you're wondering, like, God, when is this going to happen? And when are you going to do this? And and when is this going to come through? And here it says... That even when there was no reason, there was no logical reason, everybody, all of Abraham's friends are like, give it up. It's over. There's no more point. Like, quit talking about it. So when there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping. You know, there's a song. Don't stop. Come on, y'all ain't that saved. Don't stop what? Y'all going to say it like y'all actually sing this song in the car where you turn it up kind of loud and you roll down the window because y'all trying to act redeemed right now. All right, don't stop what? Well, somebody sang it. One time we were on a youth trip and that song came on. We were in a 15 passenger van. We rolled down the windows in the front because they only roll down in the front. I don't know why, but well, probably a safety thing. We turned the song up. We're sitting at a red light. I don't even know where we were. And... 15 of us are screaming that song at the top of our lungs and the van's doing this number. That's how you know it's a youth trip. And I'm like, all right, be still. We got to drive, you know. No, you got to, what? Keep on believing. Keep on hoping. It goes on here and it says, believing, Abraham, believing that he would become the father of many nations. For God had said to him, 
That's how many descendants you will have. And Abraham's faith did not weaken even though at the age of a hundred he figured his body was good and dead. And so was Sarah's womb. God, the factory is closed. Let me ask you this question. If the factory is closed, well, who made the factory? Is anything too difficult for God? Yeah, but God, I I understand the natural things and, you know, we're just too old for this kind of stuff to happen. But who created you? There is nothing too hard for God. But we have to hold on to our hope. Why? Because, and and I shared, if you weren't here last week, I would encourage you, go listen to last week's message. I talked about hope and faith and, and how those play in. But hope is the car, right? You pour faith into the gas tank. You're not going anywhere without some gas unless you got an electric car. And then we, I have to change my illustration. But, but you got to have, do you go somewhere if you go pour gasoline on the ground? Let me go pour some gas out. I'm going to go where I want. You're not going anywhere except, yeah. Hope, hope nothing. I'm going to tell my son yesterday. I have no idea why. He's squirting lighter fluid on a shovel, like cleaning it. I'm like, get away from there. No, you got to have what? Got to have something to put the gas in to go somewhere. We got to have somewhere to put your faith in. You got to have hope. You got to have a picture of your future that is a desired future. See, fear is the exact opposite of hope. But really, if you, how do I say this? Is that they both give you a picture of the future. One's good, one's bad. But we have to choose which one we want to believe. Do we want to believe that, man, the future's bad, or do we want to believe the future's good? Because if the future's good, you've got to have hope. You've got to have a picture in your heart that you're holding on to. You have to. And this isn't just wishful thinking. I mean, like, go to the Word of God, find out the promises of God concerning your situation, and what? You have hope. You have a scripture to tie your faith to. Abram had a word from God. We have lots of words from God. 66 books in the Bible, numerous authors, all kinds of of subject matter that the Bible covers. You got to find a scripture. Why? Because that'll give you hope. If God did it for them, God will do it to me. That's what the Bible says. He He doesn't love or favor one person over another. If he healed somebody in the Bible, he'll heal you. If he delivered somebody in the Bible, he'll deliver you. If he restored somebody, he'll restore you. Why? Because that's what the Bible says. So the scripture goes on. It's around verse 21, I believe. It says, Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. Now, it doesn't mean that he didn't have doubts. Faith is not the absence of doubts. Sometimes I think if we're not careful, we can fall into that like, man, if I, if I have faith, that means I never doubt. No, what it chooses is that I choose to hold on to my hope in spite of my doubts. I'm not going to let my doubts creep in and overtake what I'm believing for. So, I mean, you know, so don't fall into that mentality or that thought. But it says that Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. It says, in fact, his faith grew stronger. And in this, he brought glory to God. And it says he was fully convinced that God is able. Remember, God told him that. 
Is anything too hard for me, Abraham? And here we see it repeated. Is that Abraham was fully convinced that God is able to do whatever he promises. He's fully convinced that God is able. So Abraham beat the odds against all logic, against all reason. He believed God. He trusted God. That what? That God was faithful. The one who spoke was the one who would do it. Now, he had his messiness. He had his attempts. And I won't get into what all that's about. Because there's a whole subject in that alone. His name was Ishmael. That we still deal with the effects of to this day. Because here's the thing. What God had told Abraham was, I will bless all the families of the earth through you. Well, that was for the good and the negative. One son was God's chosen. One son was not. So you're like, man, why are we talking about all this? And this is where it's going to get real personal for you. I have a question for you today. My question is, is what areas of your life or relationships have you given up on? What have you said that's too big and, and, and that situation is too far gone and that's too much for God to redeem, which really what the word redeem means, means to buy back the time, means to rewind the clock. What areas of your life have you had some hope in that you've now lost hope in? Well, I know at one time, and I was really passionate, and I was really trusting God, and I was believing him to do this in my life or that in my life, or I was really believing. What areas of your life have you said, let me say it another way, in what areas of your life have you laughed at God and said, no, that's not happening. I, 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 can't, I can't have that anymore. Because that's a very important question. Let me just give you a very practical example. I I like practicalness. Let's just say that you believe that God had called you to start a business and the business failed. And now you're afraid and said, well, I guess that wasn't the Lord. God's calling you doesn't change. The circumstance, take what you learned and pray and ask the Lord, what do I need to do? Now, not everybody's called to start a business. Some people are. Some of you started college and have never finished it and you're afraid. You're like, well, how can I go back now? Because God put it in your heart. That's why. Is it too hard? I'll give you a testimony about that. I have a, my sister who was the single mom I was talking about. She went to college when she was 18, 19. For a couple years, stopped, you know, had children, all that stuff. Fast forward. 15, 16, 17 years, she went back to college to finish her nursing degree that she started when she was 18. Hadn't been in school in 18, 17, 18 years. She had struggled in school just with focus. I mean, I wish we diagnosed kids with ADD when I was a kid because me and her qualified. You know what I'm saying? And so she struggled. When she went to college, it was like a, a whole new thing. She was able to focus. She was able, I mean, it was much easier for her. Today she's a nurse and she works with little, little, little tiny babies. Like little bitty, bitty babies. She's got all these certifications, all these qualifications, all these things. Why? Because she didn't give up on a dream that she had had a long time ago. Let me say that another way. There may be some dreams in your heart that God put in you. There were some callings that God placed in you that you've given up on. That you just said, well, I guess I missed that opportunity. I've got good news for you is that God can bring you that opportunity back. 
Just because it may have been missed in a moment or maybe it didn't quite pan out the way you thought doesn't mean that it's over. Give you another example. Just because your first marriage failed, maybe your second marriage failed, doesn't mean that God doesn't want you to be married. Well, I guess I'm just single. I guess I'm just supposed to be. Says who? Do you have a desire to be married? Because if you do, God says, I see your desire and I'll bring you the right person at the right time if you'll just trust me. But you can just say, well, you know, I just can't. I can tell you story after story after story of people that I personally know that God brought somebody into their life and they were like, this is the wrong time. I ain't got time for this. And it was absolutely God. I've seen it happen. So what areas of your life have you written off as too big, too far gone? You know, I read earlier that it said, let me go back and read the scripture again where I started. It says that Abraham believed in God, Romans chapter 4, who brings the dead back to life and creates new things out of nothing. New things out of nothing. Well, man, that, that's, that's over with. It's a, that's okay. We, we serve a God who can bring something out of nothing. He brings dead things back to life. So I want to encourage you this morning in the areas of your faith, in the areas of your hope. You've got to what? Grab hold of what God has promised you. Don't back off of it. I know it may be scary. That's kind of a prerequisite of faith, by the way. Like this, remember Abraham, leave for a land that I'm going to show you. Start driving the car. I'm going to talk to you once you're going. It's a little scary. I remember one time God told me and Dare to move. It's the best job I'd ever had, making the most money I'd ever made. And the Lord gave me that exact scripture. Depart for a land that I will show you. And I remember with tears rolling down my face, I called my dad driving out of my driveway. It was the first home that we had ever bought. Man, we were comfortable. Things were good. And I had no idea what we were doing or where we were going. And I had everything I owned in a U-Haul. And I was, I was pulling out of my driveway. I looked in the rearview mirror with tears falling down my face. And I'm a 30-something-year-old man, and I called my dad, right? And I told him, I said, Dad, I have no idea what God is doing, but it better be good. Because it was scary. Because I had one paycheck coming, and that was it. And I had a house payment and car payments and took this big old giant crazy step of faith. But it was really God asking me, do you want to live comfortable or do you want to live something exciting? And it was scary, scary, scary. And there was all kinds of emotions involved and there was all kinds of stuff happening in me. But I'll never forget that moment because it was a defining moment because it would have been a lot easier just to... Unload the truck. Let me have that resignation letter. I ain't going anywhere. It would have been easier. But I can tell you this, I wouldn't be standing here today. And I'm so thankful for what I learned through the process of trusting God. But I had to have a picture in my heart that God, I don't know what you're doing. That's what hope is. I don't have a definite answer, but God, I trust you. I trust you, man. I don't know how you're going to do it. I don't know when you're going to do it. Look, I didn't have a job for six months, like an actual normal job. I went and worked because I had bills, right? 
We left in August. And I can remember I had enough money saved up to pay my mortgage until December. And I knew that. I'm like, after that, I'm, I'm broke. I have no more money. And it got to like November and I started freaking out a little bit. Because I'm like, God, I, I, I got December. Like you told me to do this. I look stupid. I don't want to go. I don't know what to do. God took care of all of it. We sold the house before the end of the year. So I ended up following God and it cost me everything. That's the short version of the story. I had money in the bank and I spent all that money paying for my house and cars. And So this isn't theory to me. I've lived this. And I know what it's like to say, God, whatever you want, it's yours. None of this belongs to me. If I need to sell stuff, if I need to get rid of stuff, I'll do it. But I, I could never do that just because, well, I'm just believing the Lord. No, I had to have a picture in my heart that, God, you're the faithful one. And I can trust you. And even when everything in my mind is saying, are you stupid? I know what it's like to walk that out step by step by step. And just saying, God, I trust you. I trust you. I trust you. God, I hope you're there and I hope you're hearing my prayers. Because I'm struggling today and, and all the pressures that come with that. I know what it's like. But I'll tell you this, I wouldn't trade it for anything. You want to know why, why I, 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 I think the way that I do and I live the way that I do? Because I've seen God work. And God is faithful. And if God will be faithful to me, God will be faithful to you. I'm nobody special. I'm just one of his, which makes me special. If you're one of his, you're somebody special. But you've got to have hope. You've got to grab hold of, of the promises of God. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 2 and 3 out of the Amplified Bible, the Apostle Paul is writing to a group of believers, and he says that we give thanks to God always for all of you, continually mentioning you in our prayers, recalling unceasingly before our God and Father your work, which was energized by faith. Your service, which is motivated by love. And your unwavering hope in the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. See, our ultimate hope is not in this life. And here he says, man, that if I'm going to characterize you, there's three things that really mark you. Man, you've got faith. You've got this just belief that God's going to do it. I don't have to have it all figured out. But it's vitally important that we don't skip this second one. We've got to be motivated by love. We want to serve people in love because we love God because we love what God loves and God loves people and so we want to serve with love but the only way for these things to happen is that we keep a focus and we keep hope in our heart because without hope all of this is meaningless we become jaded to church we become jaded to walking with the Lord we become jaded to all of these things and we just kind of harden our heart but it happens because we've lost hope. And the good news is, is that there is hope. There's hope for every single one of you today. Is that your past does not de define your future. Your failures do not define who you have to be. No, the Bible says we are a new creation. Old things are passed away. All things. God takes what? Nothings and turns them into somebody's. That's what the Bible says. That's what, that's what God's word says about you today. 
why is this so important? And this is very important. Is that we've got to have hope for us. Absolutely. But remember that hope isn't for ourselves. We are to be carriers of hope. And we give hope away to others. God wants his hope to go through. How many of you would say that God has been good to you? God's been good to me. Well, the Bible tells us in 1 Peter chapter 3, it says, If anyone asks about this hope that is living in you, always be ready to explain your faith with gentleness and with respect. Can I just be like real straight with you? Don't be an arrogant jerk of a Christian. With gentleness. Tell people why you believe in Jesus. You know, we have Easter coming up in two short weeks. And I would encourage you to answer a question for me. Pray about it. Who's your one? Who's the one person that you're going to invite? Who's the one person that you're going to bring? Who are you bringing with you? Who, who do you want to see God work in your life? You're like, yeah, but what if they don't come? Do your part. Leave room for the Holy Spirit. You don't have to drag them. As a matter of fact, don't drag them. But who's your one? Why? Because eternity hangs in the balance. Because our hope is not just for this life. Like I don't serve Jesus just so I can have a better house and a better car and I can enjoy another trip. God's not mad at any of those things. We have an eternal hope. Easter is about eternity. Earlier we were singing that song, the cross has the final word. Your sins, the cross speaks last on it. All kinds of people can accuse you. Jesus has the last word. Because we can say, yeah, but I've been horrible. You don't know my past. You don't know what I've done. Yeah, but Jesus speaks. And more importantly, his blood speaks. And the Bible says that his blood speaks of the forgiveness of sins. That all things have been made new in him. So who's your one? Who's that person that God would drop on your heart and say, hey, invite this person to come with you at Easter. You may invite them and they may not show up, but you know what? They might show up online. You may never know. Man, I invite them and it may be a week, a month, months later. They're going to say, hey, I watched that service online. I gave my heart to the Lord. You'll be blown away thinking, man, I thought nothing had happened. I thought nothing had happened at all and God worked, but be ready to, to invite. Who's your one? Who's the one person that you're going to invite to Easter? We're going to have two services, 8.30 and 10 o'clock. We encourage you to invite people. So I want to pray over you this morning as we're wrapping up today. Father God, I just thank you right now for every person that's here in the room. Father, all those who are online right now. Father, I thank you that you're stirring up in us hope. Not in ourselves, not in our abilities, not in our knowledge, but Father, the hope that can only be found in Jesus. Father, he alone gives real lasting hope. Everything else in this life is fleeting. It's here in a moment and gone in the next. But Father, Jesus will remain forever. He is our hope, not just for this life, but also for all of eternity. So Father, we thank you for who you are, for what you desire to do in us.